It's the Zero Lives Left podcast, episode 54. Welcome to the Zero Lives Left podcast. What is it you have always wanted to do? Are you stuck going around in circles? Sound familiar? Maybe you have always wanted to start a business. Maybe there's a particular career path you've wanted to follow. Each episode, we bring you an inspiring insight from someone who has done it, how they did it, along with actionable tips on how you can make it happen. Now, here's your host, Wayne Denner. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Zero Lives Left podcast. My name is Wayne. I'm your host on this journey. Thank you once again for tuning back into another episode of the show. As always, if this is your first time coming across the podcast and you have no idea what it's all about, let me give you a quick rundown on how things work around here. Each episode, we bring you no-nonsense, real, right-to-the-point podcast banter on business, career, and life. Maybe you're somebody who's always wanted to start a business or get started in a particular career path, you've come to the right place. We're going to have something in our episodes to help you along on your way. Don't forget that the Zero Lives Left podcasting website is opened, is operational. If you'd like to know a little bit more information about the podcast, some of the guests that we've had on the podcast over the past couple of years, you can get access to all of the episodes over on the Zero Lives Left podcast website. Make sure you check that out. We've got show notes. Uh, We've got some further resources and helpful information, which you can check out by stopping by the Zero Lives Left podcast.com website. That is the URL. Please do check it out and let us know what you think of the website. And also, if you're somebody who's listening into the podcast today and you'd like to, to start your own podcast, you'd like to produce a podcast, create a podcast, make sure you check out my podcasting course ebook, which is now available to download from the website. That's got my seven handy, simple tips that you can use to successfully launch your podcast. We've got another great episode lined up for you today. We're talking to a good friend of mine, Gary Day, who is a community musician and one of the leading music practitioners in the UK and Ireland with over 20 years experience working in accessible and inclusive music making and education. Gary has worked with many different schools, universities, universities, hospitals, art organizations, care homes, and with orchestras on community outreach programs. Gary's going to be talking about his own business today, Garden of Music, and the impact that it has. He's going to be talking about how music is in all of us. He's going to be talking about accessibility, inclusivity, and he's going to be talking about the key things that he's learned in his business journey to date. And he's going to be sharing some really good tips for our listeners today on the podcast. All right, let's not waste any more time and get right into episode 54 of the Zero Lives Left podcast. Gary, thanks for joining me on episode 54 of the Zero Lives Left podcast. Now, before we get into what it is you do, your experience, your background, your business journey, and all of those types of things, I think it's always a good idea to give our listeners a little bit of an overview on your business, Garden of Music. So can you give us a a sort of a short synopsis on what it's all about and the type of people that you work with and the impact that it's having? Sure. Thanks, Wayne. Yeah, Garden of Music are a community interest company. We're a community music organisation. It's all about accessible, inclusive music making and education. 
we're all musical. At the end of the day, every single one of us is musical. And we believe that we should all have access and opportunities throughout our whole life to participation. And access is really important. That's the whole that's one of the big things. When I was sort of looking at your Facebook page, and again, I've been following you now for some time on social media, it's all about inclusivity. It's, it's all about access. Absolutely. Society, there's so many barriers to participation on many different levels, um, physical barriers, attitudinal barriers, which get in the way from very early on for many people. Um, Garden the Music, we, we seek to try to, to help break these barriers through collaborating with other people, arts organisations, and yeah, just really promoting the idea that music is for everybody and to try to support that inclusive way of thinking around music because it can be the most accessible thing. You just didn't dream this up one day and said, right, this is what I'm going to do. You've been involved in, in the music space for quite some time. You come from a very musical family, brothers, parents. Um, I know your family uh, really well. Where did the journey for you in, into music kind of start? Uh, very early on, every child's musical, you know, and I was, you know, very lucky and privileged in that there was always music in our house as children. We had opportunities to, to listen to live music, you know, through my dad and his bands and stuff like that. We had opportunities at school to play instruments, which is really important because I'm aware that not everybody has that opportunity. And again, that's, that's a problem. So, yeah, from early on, it was very natural, which music is. Um, as one of my old teachers says, to be human is to be musical, to be musical is to be human. So from early on, um, did the recorder, singing in choirs, all of that kind of stuff, and then developed an interest in guitar. I see my dad playing. And yeah, I guess when I was around 10 years old, I got a, a three-quarter size guitar and took it from there, really, kind of teaching myself really informally, learning by ear, which is... I think it's a really cool thing to do. And then later on, taking it more formally and, and doing lessons and stuff like that. Uh, so with that, with just from, from playing guitar at home um, and finding out, I guess another big part of this is finding out who else plays guitars <laughs> or other instruments, you know, at the same age as you, peer groups and stuff like that, and how you can form those musical relationships, which are really important, um, which leads to, to playing in bands and things like that which I did um, when I was about 13. I started a band with some of my mates. And tell us about those very sort of early days, um, you know, gigging around the place. You know, that's a sort of a, a, a skill in itself because, you, you know, you have people there. And funny, I was talking to somebody recently. Um, as you know, both of my children play music. Uh, I have one boy who plays the saxophone and another guy who plays guitar. They were busking in Tralee not that long ago. A parent actually came up to me and he was watching uh, my son Johnny play the guitar. And he said to me, I, I wish that I could have got my son to do that. His son is a brilliant musician but won't actually gig in public or won't actually stand up and, yeah. and sing a song. So there's varying degrees of skill. Yeah, what I, would, what I would say what's important for everybody listening is that we're kind of set up in our society that, you know, we go through these traditional systems of learning an instrument, doing lessons, doing grades, which is a wonderful thing, but it's not for everybody and it's way broader than just doing exams and actually performances. Music's about yourself, I think to begin with, it's about people, you know. But music can be what you want it to be. Um, you don't need to feel pressure 
to play in front of all the people. You know, you might just want to be a rock star, which is cool as well. But equally, it's so, so valid just to, to sing at home by yourself. You know, it's just for you on, on your own terms and it's there for you. Yeah, I think that's a really good way of, of looking at it. And I suppose that extends beyond beyond the music into a lot of different facets and industries and sectors and things that people are interested in and passionate about. But music's in us all, as you said earlier on. I mean, we all have some form of, uh, I mean, I wouldn't be the best singer. I I like to sing along to a song as much as the next person. But um, you hear some amazing, talented people out there. And I'm sure you've come across a lot of talented people in your time. And again, the the young people that you work with, special needs people that you work with, less abled people, some amazing talent out there. In my work, um, I, I mentioned barriers to participation earlier on. Um, and really the, the, the lens that I work through is called the social model of disability, which informs my, my practice and, and how I try to plan my sessions. And that's disability. just came up a movement from the 70s about disability equality. So the language that I, I would use around that is informed by my disabled friends and colleagues. So, yeah, I do work with disabled children and, and adults. And, again, it's about identifying those barriers, be it an instrument, be it a building, whatever it may be. It's just always really trying to look for that. What is, how can I make this as accessible as possible and inclusive, you know, because it's never the person's issue, if you like, you know. It's societies, it's us, it's how we plan things. So in our thinking and thoughts around music, I think that's quite prominent because like you mentioned about so many talented musicians and there's just so many that we know, especially in the days of YouTube and stuff. There's like seven-year-olds who are just amazing, which is fantastic. But again, I'm, I'm concerned that, you know, let's celebrate that, but also let's not get distracted and think that that's what you have to be. Um, for example, when you're at school, something happens where you sing and you dance and then you become a little bit shy and you don't want to sing in front of other people perhaps, especially with young boys and, and girls as well. So I think there's something there important that we need to look at and address is how do we carry on expressing ourselves through music that way? And, and, and again, I guess it's the traditional systems that are in place which work very well for lots of people and these talented people will come running through there have a, have a great time at it. But everybody is musical and it's not necessarily about being able to sing in tune for example, you know, music can be way broader than that. It can be just about the enjoyment of it. So there's hope for me yet. Absolutely. <laughs> I think you're absolutely right in relation to the inclusivity. Um, and if we think about the traditional route that many people might go, and again, uh, you know, I, I'm drawn from my own experience of my own two boys, you know, there's limited opportunity in, in schools nowadays to to get involved with music. And, and that's an observation. Now, I may be slightly critical of that. Uh, maybe some schools have have more opportunity than others, but at least what I've observed currently over the past couple of years, and, and indeed I, I, this is from a primary school point of view as well, it's very limited. There's a lot of focus on other aspects of the curriculum, uh, and, and music kind of sort of comes in sort of a little bit second place. And if I look at my older son, Charlie, he's so, so musical. He can read music. He, he loves it. Um, and his brain works a different way. And he just can grasp all this stuff. And it's fantastic to see. But he has limited opportunity. Unless we push him down the private route, his instrument, he doesn't have much of an opportunity in, in school. Okay, so that's an issue, again. 
opportunities and choices which, which are, are limited, absolutely. And again, it's back to the to tra- traditional systems that are in place and we know them so well because we've done it for so long. Uh, absolutely. So if someone wants to be a DJ, do you pop out for your 30-minute DJ lesson? Things like that. I understand what you're saying, Wayne, and I do agree. This is really what Guard the Music are, are to kind of collaborate with people for existing arts organisations, for example, and music providers. And it's saying, listen, what you do is brilliant. Let's celebrate that indeed. But who who's missing out here? You know, it's absolutely, if you wanted to be a, a rapper, a DJ, whatever is going to be outside of the traditional genre list, let's say. I mean, that's absolutely, it's, it's, it's about musical quality as well. And it's not to say that it's not proper music, it's not real, it's not this or it's not that. You know, there's lots of ongoing debates I have around music technology, which I use a lot of my work. Some people require assistive technology to fully participate due to the barriers, of course. Um, yeah, so this is not going to go away. <laughs> We're going to have to keep talking about this, you know, and, and figuring different things out about it. Now, you touched on the technology aspect there, and that's a big area that I'm interested in, how the technology-assisted side of things but also how, you know, you mentioned YouTube and earlier, you know, and, and even in the COVID-19 world that we find ourselves in, you've still been able to deliver your service because of the technology. The technology has been somewhat of an enabler. It's actually helped, helped because whilst we maybe can't do those face-to-face workshops, we can't maybe bring people in or we can't go to people, we can still ensure that the music is continuing, the participation is continuing through the tech medium of technology. Yeah, I mean, it's been a real surprise. Some of the people that I've been working with face-to-face for, for a long time when we were into the first lockdown, it was, oh, we're going to do a Skype session? or <laughs> how, is this, how is this going to work really and authentically and going to be of, of great musical meaning, if you like? Um, and I think the key thing, what we learned was the people in the room on the other side, the support there to sort of get things set up and patience. You know, we've all been on this little journey of how to figure out to use Zoom and other platforms and <laughs> how to get it working best um, and all the latency and all. There's many issues with it, but I definitely have quite a few examples of how positive that has been, actually, um, and how it has become more accessible in ways for some people um, to access learning online through, through music and actually being proactive and playing music as well um, and being interactive online. So, there's, yeah, there's lots of really good things happening. And I think now it's interesting to see how a hybrid model would then work. For example, people living in very rural or remote areas, um, especially some disabled people who quite often are up against all the, the daily barriers of transportation and things like that. It's not to say it's a solution or a fix. Again, it's just an, another opportunity and, and a choice for some people to access music who may not have been able to access music because they, you know, couldn't travel or, you know, they were in remote areas. Now the technology enables you to bring the music into their home. And again, it's ticking that, uh, not completely, but it's helping tick that box for inclusivity. Yeah, I mean, I think the interesting bit is when we do things like remote control, where we can screen share things and access different bits of software, for example, it can quite often, yeah, it it can sort of help connect things in real time more often and co-writing and songwriting as well it just seems to become people are thinking more thinking more about it really actually and how, how to make it more accessible um, so it works on many different levels as well from maybe someone being quite let's say just being reactive and responsive and listening to the music and 
where you might have someone who's co-writing on a band lab project, for example, and writing lyrics and chord progressions and things like that. So, yeah, there's a whole lot of different things, different approaches and ways to, to use uh, music software. Well, let's talk a little bit now. You've been busy over the past couple of months in your development of your studio and you've done a fantastic job. I've been down to see the studio. You've, you've completely took uh, a space that was underused, uh, not being used effectively, and you've turned it into now a place where people can come um, and they can get involved uh, should we get to that time where we're allowed to do more of those things. Talk a little bit about the studio, what's been happening down there. The you know, I know you've made a lot of investment into it to get it to the way that you needed to, to get it to, but share with our listeners a little bit about the studio um, that you have now. So delighted to be in the new little studio space. I think just the key thing for me is, is the access to it as well, which is very important. So I know that somebody could come for a visit uh, and access the building. It's actually a multi-purpose sort of music hub, really. And as you said, like I'm still working very much so online at the moment. So it's like a little Zoom studio, if you like, but also set up for recording um, live music as well. And the idea is that hopefully, when things allow, people will then come in for a little session, uh, be it a small group session or some one-to-one stuff. It's basically an alternative music provision because there's so many fantastic music teachers out there doing some brilliant work. I'm really keen to have discussions and, and really signpost and let people know that if you're having difficulties in accessing traditional lessons for whatever reasons, um, come and talk to me. I'm very happy to, to try and get some sort of music programme um, developed. And that's great because, again, you know, I'm going back around to the experience that I have with, with my own two boys. Um, finding a music teacher is a challenge in itself. In fact, I remember um, doing a lot of research when we were looking for somebody for Charlie when it comes to the saxophone. It was really difficult. You just couldn't find anybody. So it's great to have somebody, you know, in, in the locality, in the area that, that you can go to and you can have a conversation with. You can pick their brains about where these people might be and how to get in touch with them. So I think it's about putting that, that type of service locally on, on the map uh, and telling people that you're here. And I know you've been, you've been active on that front. I've seen uh, a couple of well-known uh, music teachers, musicians uh, in and out. I've seen pictures going up on social media, and that's great because that's creating that awareness more locally. And that's, again, in itself, encouraging more people to get involved. Yeah, absolutely. I really, I think that's the key thing. People, a lot of people maybe don't understand yet what it is that I actually do at Garden of Music. So hopefully when my website is, is launched, very soon it'll all become very clear then what it actually is um and also just to say what when we're talking about the the, the hub the music studio downstairs it were uh, an arts award center as well which is a fantastic qualification very accessible that works on it's uh, off qual accredited and another again another choice for maybe for some children young people who find it difficult to access traditional accreditation in in the arts uh and also it's a sound, Sounds of Intent um, associate organisation, which means that we can use this amazing framework of musical development to help us understand where someone's currently at in their, in their musical development. It works from early years right through the whole way, through to musical maturity, whatever that might be. But um, it's really a little place that I'm, I'm hoping people feel they can book a, an appointment and come in for a chat. We are all musical, yeah? Um, some of us take these traditional routes and some of us just 
are trying to find some sort of path, but we know that we like music, we respond to music, um, all of that. So always up for chatting. Absolutely. And we talk about, you know, we'll switch gears now in a moment, but, but, but looking at sort of Garden of Music uh, as a business, you, this is something that you set up yourself. No doubt in my mind, and as somebody who's been involved in business, you know, 20, 22 years running different enterprises, and I'm sure you've had stresses and challenges along the way to get it to where it is now because a lot of people look at your lovely studio down there and think how did that happen and it doesn't happen overnight no definitely not this is my 20th year working in this field i mean i've always played music it's it's just what, I, what i've done and doing workshops and being a community musician it runs parallel as a performer and songwriter and i guess over time i realized that when you're in the moment, you sort of want everything to happen straight away and you're, you know, you can get distracted by other things going on around you. But it's always been consistent on my musical journey. I've always been playing music and writing music and playing with anybody, really. Um, and then along, you know, going on band tours with my old band and things like that. When we're having a break, I'd be doing some workshops, visiting people. You know, I've always had an interest in working with people doing music. Um, and I guess just through sticking at it and, and just keeping going, I realised that I could frame it up into something, what it actually is. I'm from working with some amazing organisations as well. Um, I started off 20 years ago with Drake Music and Yuri with Michelle. And that was my introduction to assistive technology then. And it really got my mind open and that way of thinking of music can be very accessible. And since then, I just went, went for it. Just, I just couldn't let go of that idea that how exciting it is that we, how we should all be playing music or have access. And I've always kept that and I've been pursuing that ever since. I'm chasing it. Chased it to London and spent about 13, 14 years there until I moved back here and I'm still chasing. But um, that's good. Remaining curious, I think. Yeah, and you're, you're passionate about what you do. You, you really genuinely want to make a difference uh, and make it more accessible, you know, and more inclusive for people. And you can see that from your approach. Uh, you can see that through the content that you're pushing out there through social media, the workshops. You've been, and I know you're incredibly busy. I mean, you're always at something whenever I see you about the building. And just for people who don't know, myself and Gary are in the same building. We're lucky we have a, we have a great landlord. Uh, it's important to give a shout out to David Crozier from uh, Navigator Financial, who has been so helpful. I know in, in my own journey, he's helped me out. And, you know, whenever I was looking for an office space, you know, David was very approachable and um, great man to have a conversation with. And I know he's, uh, he's been key in helping uh, you along the way as well. Absolutely. Uh, David and Gail and, and, and Frank here, it's just like a lovely kind of family supportive vibe. Um, I was just delighted when the opportunity came for the space at the back. I couldn't have wished the time on it was just unreal. You know, and I, I come back to the access of the building as well and things like that. It's just, it was just a real, it was just great how it happened. Yeah. Thank you, David. Yeah, absolutely. Now, circling back around, we were talking a little bit about the sort of trials and tribulations of, of sort of running a business. And we could talk about that all day. But if you had sort of two or three tips, things that you've learned along the way about business, let's, 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 look, let's face it, it's, it's hard. It's not easy. It doesn't happen overnight, as you were saying. And I get sometimes frustrated that I, I you know, and I always say, like, I remember somebody saying to me, it takes 10 years to become an overnight success. And whenever I heard that, I kind of laughed. It's like, no way, well, I'll be successful before then. But it really does. It takes a lot of energy, a lot of effort, a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of investment. Uh, it takes, you know, uh, family support and, and all of those things really to sort of make a business like 
garden of music, you know, a success story. And, and I'm sure there's more success to come. But what would be your two or three things that you would share with people who are maybe listening into the podcast today and maybe thinking about they've got an idea for a business? Because your business is slightly different from a lot of the businesses that we've had on this show. It's it's completely different. I mean, it's 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 so interesting. It's innovative. Um, what would be your two or three sort of bits of wisdom that you would share with people? Well, as a community musician, I... I'm definitely a reflective kind of person, reflective practitioner, if you like. And with that in mind, I think it's always good to ask the question, why are you doing it? Hmm. It's always, it's a really hard one it's to keep doing it, to keep asking, yourself, well, why am I doing this? Um, and if you were doing it for dough, you're in it for the wrong reason. <laughs> no, no. So, uh, yeah, why, why are you doing it, really? Um, and I always, I love making notes. I've got notes upon notes upon notes about different ideas and things and trying to unpack my thinking around it. Um, I think networking and collaboration is a huge, a huge thing. And I'm really noticing gaps here with that, to be totally honest. I want to collaborate with people. And I, want, I think things only move on and we can only make change when we work together. I know it might sound a bit cliche or whatever, but absolutely it's important. I think the sharing of practice, you know, share what you're doing, you know, um, and above all, I think if you're working with people, you've got to be as reliable as you can. You know, um, I think the communication is really important. And just general kindness goes a long way in these things. You've got to build up relationships with people. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. Relationships are really important. Collaboration, that's a key word, actually. And that's a word that I'm, I, I love, actually. And it's, you're, you're right. There needs to be more collaboration. There needs to be more networking. Um, there, we need to get away from this mentality of people working in their own little silos out there uh, and not wanting to collaborate or not wanting to share ideas. And And I still come across this, you know, in, in varying degrees that, you know, people are very protective of what they're working on and they don't want to let you in for fear. Maybe that's going to jeopardize their funding or, or their sales pipeline or their lead generation or whatever it is. But I, I have, I'm a bit like you. I'm a sort of an open, an open guy. And if I can find a way to collaborate with somebody or a little bit of value that I can add or they can add to me, that's really important. And I think collaboration is vital. I think as we start to emerge out of COVID-19, collaboration is going to be really important because let's be honest, there's going to be a lot of businesses aren't going to be here in six months time. Let's be honest, there's, there's still a lot of things that are going to happen out there that we've yet to sort of realize or understand the ramifications of, I think, especially in the business world. So I think collaboration is certainly one thing that's going to help us all get through or get through a little bit, a little bit easier. Yeah, definitely. And I think listening to the voices of, of people, whatever your business may be, uh, and reaching out to them, uh, uh, you know, it's important to have those little, we host a, a teach meet session on it's very informal a teach meet where you come and you'll share two minutes five minutes or ten minutes of something about what you do um and the idea is that you don't be using any powerpoints and things like that it's try to make people relax a bit and nobody's nobody's out to get you and try to find out your flaws and things like that it's about saying listen you're interested in this area of work or in this field so am i let's come together share a bit about what you do i'll share something about what i do and developing that, it's um, that, yeah, just the informality of it, really. And I think that's just a very simple but exciting and accessible thing to be doing. 
And there are opportunities. Reach out to people, ask questions, you know, pay attention to what's being shared on social media. I mean, we've talked about these things before on the podcast and I get people reaching out all the time who are maybe, maybe let's say starting out on their career journey, starting out on their business journey. They've just graduated and they're scratching their head going, what do we do next? And it's, it is all about getting out there, putting yourself in front of people, networking. And in some cases, it's about taking a risk. You know, it's about having that self-belief in yourself, but building that close network around yourself that you can tap into. And we've all got a network. I mean, you've got a network. We've had discussions before and looking for ways that we might be able to collaborate on things. And again, if people are listening into the podcast and you like what you're hearing today, and maybe you're in that musical space or teaching space or education space, or, you know, maybe you're a public sector organization and you like what you hear. I mean, you're open for people reaching out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think it's so, so important when, um, I mean, for example, I've had two or three people this past month contact me, students who are curious about what community music actually is. Um, I'm thinking about music therapy as well, which is different to what I would be doing. Uh, but coming to me and seeing examples of my work and finding out a bit about the approach um, and really just, especially for those music students who are maybe in their final years, and thinking what they might want to do next. Um, that seems to be quite interesting at the moment where the opportunity to then develop a career in this, where you can be a performer, you can, you know, you can do lots of things. I think it's quite often the freelance world, um, and I know it's certainly in, in, in the music world, people do many different jobs um, to get by. So some, very few, from my own experience and what I, from what I know, will have one job that kind of, does it all for them. Quite often there's a little bit of this, a little bit of that, you know, and that's fine. That's really okay to do that. So I think promoting awareness, especially for those students, thinking of what can I actually do when I finish this course or do that? But there's so many different things you can do, you know, with different people. Community music, there's so many things there. Let's talk about that, find out what that is. Yeah, I think that's great. Now, before we sort of wrap up, I want to talk a little bit about, you mentioned the website earlier on, it's coming down the tracks. Um, I think I've seen Summer Monday, maybe it's Swan coming. Down. I don't want to hold you to that because um, I know how those things can go, nope. especially over the weekend, <laughs> especially on the weekend. Um, I'm always as guilty as charged when I say this will be ready on Tuesday and then suddenly I'm panicking. So you're, 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 you're organized in that respect. The websites, what can people expect from the website? First of all, what is the website address? The website is gardenofmusic.org. Okay, so gardenofmusic.org. And I know you're active across all the social media channels, Twitter as well as Facebook. I mean, I was on earlier on and I seen you were pushing out some stuff on Twitter as well. So that's a great way for people to connect with you um, as well. And, and if, if people want to get in touch directly what, what what's the best way i mean gone are the days of giving out telephone numbers on these sorts of things but is it easy for people just to go onto the website drop you in an email and you'll come back to them absolutely there'll be a contact section there um and a little map of where i am i'm really really keen to develop opportunities locally when we talk about musical inclusion so book a visit come down and see me have a cup of tea um or yeah, there'll be email details there and all the social media handles are at My Garden of Music. And there's also a nice coffee machine down there because I was down earlier on <laughs> and I smelt the coffee. So absolutely good coffee. If you're somebody who likes good coffee, um, Gary will certainly have a brew on, on for you. Just before we finish up, we have a couple of more sort of minutes left. What's the sort of future hold? What's What are you working on? What are you excited about? 
sort of next sort of 12 to 18 months? I know if we had a crystal ball and all that type of stuff, but what do you sort of, what do you think is going to be coming down the line that you'd like to let people know about sort of to be on the look about? I know you mentioned yeah. that community thing. You want to do more of that. What are you working on? Well, I guess the first thing is I'm excited about is a little project that I have coming up with Health and Social Care in Northern Ireland. We're going to be doing a music mentoring project with some looked after children um, online. It's a pilot project and we're going to be using wellbeing frameworks to sort of track things as we go along, but it's going to be music tech based. Um, and we're developing our pool of we're developing our pool of musicians locally. Um, and we've just recently started a four-part training series, which is incredibly exciting, really, really exciting. Um, and also, we are a Playlist for Life a help point, and Playlist for Life for a Scottish Music and Dementia charity. And we're going to be hosting a monthly help point for people living with dementia in the area here um, to make playlists, individual playlists um, for people living with dementia and their families. That's kind of the f- things that are happening at the moment. Online stuff is continuing. and absolutely want to reach out to everybody here locally, um, opportunities for people who may consider, consider themselves not to be musical, um, because I'll just talk to you all day long about that, how you are. Um, and especially, you know, people like you, like you mentioned, Wayne, cre- creating opportunities with some of the amazing organisations that are here already. I'm just trying to, yeah, get more stuff happening, more music playing. And actually, very, very important, is getting disabled and non-disabled people playing music together, creating those opportunities, really. I think that's fantastic. Um, it's, been, it's been great to talk to you. Uh, today and uh, and get a sort of a, a sort of a window into what Garden of Music is all about uh, and really try to understand it a little bit more because that that's part of this that's part of this podcast it's about bringing people like yourself on Gary and and letting them talk about their businesses letting them giving them a platform to share a little bit of uh, information and, on what it is they do and I think you've done that really well today people have got a, a better sort of understanding of, of what it is it's all about and again sort of that that inclusivity is really important. That accessibility to you is really important. And I think it's not just important to you, it's important to everybody. And it's important, I think, that people have that opportunity to participate in music. We're all musical, as you say, and there might, I, I think there's probably hope for me yet. Um, to, to, and you know, I, I, a little bit of guitar, but just to, to, to get into it a little bit more, and it's all about encouragement and finding a supportive environment. Isn't, isn't that key? Yeah, I mean, there's so many fantastic, freely available resources out there. Um, when you think back, Wayne, when you were a teenager, there was no like YouTube tutorials, things like that. Um, and really, yes, promoting the idea, like, it doesn't matter what, how old you are, you know, it's come and do it. Um, some people are very self-disciplined and they'll sit down with a tutorial and their instrument and do that, which is great. Some people just need to come to a teacher to do that, which is great. Some people just don't realise that they're, they're allowed to do it or they can do it, yeah. And again, it's, it's not about saying about you have to go and do a gig now you're at this standard or you have to do an exam. Just do it for the fun of it, if you want, you know. Brilliant. Gary, um, once again, thanks for taking time out today uh, on a busy, busy Friday uh, to join me on episode 54 of the Zero Lives Left podcast. And just before we finish up, it's gardenofmusic.org is the website address. I'm going to have some further information on on what Gary does in the show notes. So if people do want to uh, find out an email address, how to get in touch, uh, that'll be available as well. So make sure you check that out. All right. Hope you enjoyed that episode of the podcast. Once again, a huge thank you 
to my good friend Gary for joining us on episode 54 of the Zero Lives Left podcast. Lots of really good takeaways from this particular podcast. I think the sort of the key uh, element of, of this podcast in particular is that music is in all of us. And, and music is a great way to bring people together. And Gary talked about networking and collaboration. And whenever I think of music, um, the word networking springs to mind because there has been many occasions in my life so far that I've attended a music gig. Um, I've been in a local bar, for example, where there was a band playing. Uh, and you may have went in to, to hear the band. But before you know it, you've struck up a conversation with somebody and suddenly you're networking. Uh, and if we think about that, you know, from a, from a business point of view, I mean, music is such a key uh, element when it comes to networking. I mean, we all love to go to live music events, concerts, hopefully in the not too distant future. And we're starting to see some of them happen already where we'll be able to go back to those live music events. And those live music events and, and music events, it doesn't matter how small or large, it brings people together uh, collectively uh, and it, it, it sparks an opportunity for, for networking, I feel at least, and also collaboration. And I know that uh, that observation, Gary, would certainly um, agree with. Gary also talked about the barriers in our society as well when it comes to, to music and that not everybody may have that opportunity to participate in, in music. And that's something that Gary's really passionate about, making sure that everybody, no matter, no matter what your background, no matter what your ability, uh, that you have that opportunity to, uh, to access music, so from the accessibility point of view, but also making it much more inclusive. And I think Gary explained that really well in the work that he does with Garden of Music uh, and how they're making that much more accessible for people uh, right across the UK and Ireland. Gary also talked about his business journey, which is something that I was really interested in hearing, you know, how how he got from whenever he started off uh, through his parents, getting that introduction to music uh, and playing the guitar and getting his first guitar uh, at 10 uh, to, to getting into to bands with his peers, uh, to going on band tours, um, to, you know, you know, bringing that music to people, uh, whether that was in small concerts or in, in venues, uh, and again, right across the UK and Ireland, and indeed further afield. But taking what he learned uh, from that aspect of his life and developing that into a business idea and developing that into to something that was sustainable from a business point of view. And it was really nice to hear Gary's sort of three top takeaways when it comes to, to business. Asking yourself that question, why are you doing it? And that's sometimes um, a question that we, we don't ask ourselves often enough. Maybe we're in business for the wrong reason. Maybe we've been in business for a period of time, years, and we sort of forget about the reason why we're actually doing what we're doing. Um, and, you know, thinking about the impact that that might have as well. So I think that's really important for people to ask themselves that question on a regular basis. And again, circling back around to the importance of networking and collaboration and really working together 
working collectively, uh, networking more. And I think that's something. And again, Gary highlighted that point that there's gaps in as well. And I think there's more opportunity for us to be uh, working together collectively um, uh, and collaboratively, but also making sure that we're not working in our own little silos. And we're looking for ways to come together uh, and we're looking for ways to make our businesses stronger by working uh, together. And I think that's something that we can do better and we can do more of. I think that's going to be something that's going to be really important as we start to emerge from this COVID-19 world that we have found ourselves in. So once again, a huge thank you to Gary for joining us on episode 54 of the podcast. Don't forget, as always, guys, please do stop by the Zero Lives Left podcasting website. Lots of great information available over over there. Our previous guests, show notes, and other resources that can help you along on your journey. I hope you find it useful and it's added some value to you, your business, your life, or indeed your career. And we're going to be coming back very soon with another episode of the podcast. Don't forget to stop by the social media profiles. Give us a follow over on Twitter, uh, over on Facebook, and also if you can, please do rate and review the podcast. Uh, Ratings and reviews are really important. So if you're listening today on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, or you're listening over uh, on one of the other podcasting platforms, if you can rate the podcast uh, and give us some feedback, that would be really appreciative. And it also helps other people find out about the show. I'll see you very soon on another episode of the Zero Lives Left podcast. Thanks for listening to the Zero Lives Left podcast with Wayne Denner. Make sure to check out Wayne's new book, The Student's Guide to an Epic Online Reputation, available from WayneDenner.com and follow him on Twitter at Wayne Denner. Tune in next time.